two, three. Hey, I think that was on. It sounded on on my side. It's only taken us 30 minutes to get to the clap <laughs> this week. So um, uh, Sometimes it takes people years to get to the clap. <laughs> or get rid of it. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, we're in this weird warp of a thing between Christmas and New Year's that people seem to think is like a time when just like something happens in the world where like between the Christmas and New Year's, you don't know what to do or how to behave or what's mm-hmm. happening or whatever. And I don't know. I mean, I'm that way all the whole year long. <laughs> so... I, I get that. Right now we're living in a parallel time frame that just that limbo in between where mm-hmm. nothing's really working, but nothing's really breaking. So you're just trying yeah. to like duct tape everything together. Yeah. Yeah. And which is what we just did with uh-huh. my whole end of this recording. <laughs> Look, I've got parts of a computer sitting all over next to me because we tried to duct tape our own stuff yesterday. So, you know, we're working on it. Well, I'm, I'm being, I'm a weirdo and like, if people haven't figured that out by now. Um, <laughs> and I read that if I update my uh, operating system on my iMac, that um, you lose access to iTunes. Like, because they kind of did away with it when they did the Apple Music and yeah, split yeah. everything into a podcast app and a music app and movies and all that stuff. Um, and the way that I um, watch movies that... Um, maybe aren't movies that I purchased mm-hmm. that were somehow landed in my house is slinging them into that iTunes to sling them over to my Apple TV. And yep. so I don't want to lose that capability. So I'm, I'm a holdout. So I think that also had something to do with why uh, intermittently for 30 minutes, you could hear me. I couldn't hear you. I could record, <laughs> but I was recording my own voice in like echo effect. And then we had to hang up and recall about 15 times. So... <laughs> You wanted a podcast of yourself talking to yourself. Like, New Year, like, you need to, like, finish your year off right, get your mental health in check, and just talk to yourself a little bit. Well, I guess it's <laughs> just the culmination of that I think that everything I say is right, so I want to hear it twice. <laughs> you're, like, really, like, approving what you're saying. You're like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me echo that sentiment, and then somebody up there heard me, and so I'm echoing it into my own head and oh. out into the airwaves, so... The real joke's going to be if when I turn this off and, and listen back with yours with it, if there's two of me and I just, it, I can't hear it in my headphones, but it went into the software that way. It's you and your alter ego. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't say that because I'll sit here all day and think of what the code name for my alter ego would be. Oh, God. Oh, that's that's a whole other, like, tangent. Like, that's another episode. <laughs> Okay, I guess we should let everybody know who we are, but if they're listening to this, surely to goodness they know by now what they're listening to. If they've stumbled in on this episode and haven't listened to anything previously, then mm-hmm. they're really fucking lost right now mm-hmm. by this rambling that we're doing. Um, so this is Connie, and I'm back with uh, Beck, and we are going to talk today about what we've been trying to talk about for two and a half or so weeks, which are our favorite things of 2019, or our memorable things I guess for us Mm -hmm. we're not experts we're not we don't claim to like you know be any sort of like super critic or whatever we just like (laughs) to talk about what we like to talk about and so I said let's let's ponder for a little bit and think about the things that stuck with us or were notable or what we would want to recommend to people for 2019 Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily all best of list but there will be some things that I think were the best and some things maybe I was not so crazy about but most of it's going to be queer-related, uh, gay, lesbian, transgender, non-binary, bisexual. I go down the list. I could 
be here all day, so I'm just going to say queer-related. Beck, did you put together any sort of list? Because I didn't. I just kind of jotted down the stuff that came to me. That way it would you know, fit the memorable mm-hmm. aspect. I have a notebook next to me that I just kind of wrote down things here and there. Like, mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, I watched this. I liked this. Like, this was cool. Or, mm-hmm. oh, this happened. That's kind of cool, but that's it. I mean, yeah. listicle form is not my thing. That's too organized. I love lists. So oh, it's I'm bad against, at it. <laughs> it's against my nature to not put these things in a list. And I found myself on social media, as a lot of people are doing, and you just start to do in December, you start to go, oh, this were my top things of the year. This was this is my top five shows or whatever. I found mm-hmm. myself typing that a few times and then going, oh, but wait a minute, there's another one. So I'm like, is it top six things or do I juggle these around? Mm-hmm. And I also found things like moving around in my top five list of the of the end of you know the year looking back so I have a lot more things written down on my paper here than I initially thought that I would have so I don't know that we'll have time to touch for a long time on all of them but let's start with tv because that's mostly you know there's more content there especially these days I don't know if it's true for you but I found this year that there just wasn't a lot of reason for me to get up and go out to the theater what about you? I agree with that. There wasn't a lot of movies that I was just like, I have to see this in theaters. It was more like, I want to see it, but I can wait until it comes out on DVD. Or even things yeah. I wanted to see, I didn't go see because it was just too much. Yeah, and also, we're a little uh, hampered here. We have two movie theaters, and they're Regal Cinemas owned mm-hmm. properties. And um, we had a 12, 12 theater, you know, a 12 screen and a 10 screen. And... I don't know what's happened in this last couple of years, but like the same movies play at both theaters with yeah. maybe one or two alternates at, at the one that has 12 screens. They'll put two other things in there. And I'm just like, I know they're making these movies because I see all these movies that I think, gee, I want to see that. Mm-hmm. And then we don't ever get it here or we get it for a week. Like we got Harriet for a week. Well, we never got it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, down. Yeah, well, you're a little, little further south, Mississippi. We don't get anything, so (laughs) you're especially not gonna get Harriet down there, probably. No, we're not. (laughs) So you know, I, I, I wanted to go see that because I read a lot of controversial reviews and things, and a lot of people's takes on it. I did later find out that a lot of those takes were based on the trailer. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were a lot of people on Twitter and and you know people putting up their little online reviews, yeah, about something that they didn't even see. Um, I'll now I'll, I'll put up a trailer and say, "Ooh, this, I want to see this, and this looks cool, and mm-hmm. whatever." But I'm not going to base my opinion of a movie or what I think it's going to be and start shouting out, you know, negative comments on a trailer because you know the trailer. Let's talk about that. The trailer is. I think I'm right on this, and you probably know more than me. There are <laughs> companies that just cut the trailers that pretty much don't have anything else to do with the production yes. of the movie. Yes, right, hundred percent. They pick out the most inter- interesting parts or the most like controversial looking parts just to get someone to notice. Hey, that's something. That's something different. I want to see that. That's what people do. That's there are people mm-hmm. that specialize in that, and they get paid yeah. good money. Yeah, that's that would actually be a really fun job. Uh-huh. Um, I also noticed that a lot of times there'll be a song that's used in a trailer, and I'm like, oh, that you know, I love that song or that so glad they use mm-hmm. that and then it's never in the damn movie no it's not it, it's another thing that's supposed to trick your ears because if it's something one that's familiar or two it's really different it makes you kind of turn and look at what you're watching and be, like notice what's mm-hmm. going on right there mm-hmm. so well i can tell you that if that 
um, New Order song is not in the Wonder Woman 1984, the song that's in the trailer. I'm yeah. gonna be super pissed because it's the perfect fit for that thing. Well, it, that's the other thing. They might, they, it might still be in the in the movie, but usually when the song is moved used in the movie, it's in the middle of like a climactic like battle scene. Like that's mm-hmm. the only time you'll hear, and it's only like 20 seconds of that song that was in the trailer and all mm-hmm. that. So that's really like it's your catch twenty two. Either get no song, or you get a tiny bit in the most intense part of the movie, and then it's gone. So you never really got to enjoy it because you're paying attention to the movie. Well, I have to say that that's my most anticipated upcoming movie. I mean, I'll probably go see that thing because I know it's going to be good. I'll probably go see that thing three times that weekend that it's out or whatever. Fair. Because I've watched the other Wonder Woman uh, from a couple years ago so many times, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I just bought it on the 4K Ultra. I'm behind on that 4K Ultra stuff. Um, I got for a little... Well, I'm getting so off track from TV, but... Uh, <laughs> we I, I got we should switch to movies, because that's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. After um, I had was forced to go move away from the analog music world, because mm-hmm. my iPod got stolen, and, and I stopped purchasing you know so much music and there's just so much music out there i moved over to digital i fell in love with spotify Mm -hmm. and all of that i kind of started to let myself get into the i'm not going to buy physical copies of movies uh, mindset and then i got to thinking and a few people pointed out to me like hey i have this you know years old dvd of this movie and then every time i've seen it on tv or a digital download from a purchase site it's not the same movie Mm -hmm. like Things cut out, edited, changed, even down to music that they couldn't get. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to pay for anymore, I guess, mm-hmm. being taken out of things. So I've switched that back around. And the things that I really love, I'm going to buy the physical copies of so that I know that I have them. And then uh, for Christmas, Stacy got me a 4K Ultra blah, blah, blah Blu-ray player. So we're back to buying Blu-ray. We're back to buying Blu-ray players <laughs> over here. You know, everybody else is like carrying everything in their pocket and living in the cloud. Yeah. And we are like... No, we're over here purchasing hardware for some reason. Oh, 100%. I mean, I did that this year with video games. People don't buy video games anymore. People mm-hmm. download them, especially with, like, I have the Xbox One. Everybody's mm-hmm. getting the download code and then buying it that way or just buying it from the Microsoft Store on the mm-hmm. Xbox. I got, I want to say, around 10 hard copy video games this year because I would prefer to have the hard copy, even though... To switch games, you have to take out one disc, put the next one in. I'd prefer to have that and know I have that. Because, you know, with a streaming service and or with downloading it from online, companies can take those off your device. Companies can cut that or take Mm -hmm. out a whole section of the game and change it. So once you buy a hard copy in the year that, you know, it's made, they can't take anything away from you on that. Yeah, with my anxiety, I couldn't do that because I would constantly be in fear of, like, whatever I had going on in that game was I could wake up and it's gone. Or exactly. Whatever, and it would freak me out. I don't play video games, but I can't imagine, like, all of that that goes into them then being disappeared out. Plus, you know, I think I, I feel more comfortable spending $25 to own a copy of something mm-hmm. or twenty four ninety nine or whatever than to pay even nine ninety nine to buy it yep. virtually. I mean, buying it virtually you're taking those real dollars out of my bank account but you're Uh giving me something that lives somewhere else with you not in my hands yes feels odd i i also for a long time like on itunes you know they had the movies of the week that they would sell for cheaper and i i would rent movies from there i would i will never unless it's not available somewhere else on a hard copy i'll Mm -hmm. never buy a downloaded copy of a movie just because I, I'm not, I'm not holding it. 
I can't yeah. put it on multiple devices. Like, I can't go watch it in my living room. I don't have mm-hmm. an Apple TV. Like, mm-hmm. I I have to have a hard copy of something because that that's the only way I'll know that I can watch it when I need it. <laughs> yeah, it's like having a storage facility somewhere that you've been locked out of. And uh-huh. you can- like I've got my couch and my shit over in that storage facility, but why am I sitting on the floor in this apartment over here? Exactly. Somebody else is somebody else is holding your access to something. So anyway, that's something about 2019. I mean, it is. Yeah. It, we've turned a lot closer into this whole world of buying everything online and like buying goods that are non-tangible, and it's it's gotten we've gotten further into it as a society throughout this year. Truly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and we like I said, we turned that around over here. We Stacy got me the uh, the Blu-ray player, um, which I'm loving. I mean, I just sit there the whole time going, this like I felt like Leonardo DiCaprio and um, and Brad Pitt and Once Upon a Time because that's the first thing I watched. Yep. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I was like, Stacy, it's like we're sitting right here in this car <laughs> with the two of these blue people. Like I am at Spawn Ranch right now. This thing because we got the 65 incher going with the 4K, and I was just like, shit, we are like here you know yeah so we did that and then also photography which is a passion of mine and of hers um we've become so reliant on the iphone and, and as good as they're gonna really? make that can't like for, for uh, people have become reliant on that i think for your pictures like yeah. nobody carries a camera around anymore don't say nobody because i do i have one in my briefcase i carry it around with me everywhere okay well i i was with you at Clexicon and i did i didn't take mine out because tiff had hers okay well, and and Stacy did used to keep a DSLR. Is that what it is? Or yeah. DLSR? DSLR. DSLR. Used to keep one, and before that, film camera. And and we just, I feel like as a society, we're not not everybody, but as yes. a society, we're getting too reliant on the cell phone pictures. Then when you go to upload that stuff to social media or do anything, you know, it all gets downgraded, and mm-hmm. everybody's great pictures are blurry, or you know, and you're like, damn, I know that picture looks better on my phone. Why doesn't it look, you know, good there? So for her, for Christmas, one of the things is I, I got her a new Canon, uh, well, sort of new, an ADD. So mm-hmm. we're going to get back into, you know, I'm not carrying that heavy ass thing around, but <laughs> I'm going to be like, Stacey, take your Fair. camera. Well, that's the thing. Tiffany will bring the backpack wherever we go. We went to the aquarium a couple weeks ago, and she brought that whole big backpack full of camera stuff just to take pictures at the aquarium. And, you know, for a minute, I was like, I'll take pictures of my phone. But then I was like, why? Like, mm-hmm. she's taken all these pictures, mm-hmm. and yeah. they're really nice pictures. And yeah. I have, like, my film cameras. I have my Nikon F2s from, like, way mm-hmm. back in the day with the pancake lenses. I've got a bunch of the point-and-shoot Canons. I've got a mm-hmm. Sony AX515. But they're all these really nice cameras. But even when I went to London, I couldn't bring myself to bring the big, nice camera with me. Yeah. Even going to another country, I was like, eh, but do I really need it? I've got all these other things I can take pictures on. Right. Yeah. So you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And it's also everything's digital now. Even even with a camera, it's yeah. a digital camera. So. Yeah. Well, what are we gonna do? The, absolutely nothing. Just keep turning further and further into a society of like robot people. Start getting upgrades. <laughs> Before you know it, we'll all be living in a Black Mirror uh, episode anyway. We'll so. all have holograms coming out of our wrists. You know, traditional stuff. Now, if you could have if you could have one hologram that could pop out of your wrist, you know, I want to give you one option of a person, of a person, not a family member, one one person that could be your like it's like your your familiar. Let's say your hologram. I was going to say like my Jiminy Cricket. 
<laughs> what would you have that you could just pop up and god that's such a good question and i'm gonna go even further we're gonna make this thing like the magic eight ball of avatar <laughs> familiars like there's a set of answers every to every possible question you could ask programmed into that avatar like being there or familiar who i know i'll put you on the spot but who would you put there that you'd want to just like have as your obi-wan I know that it's, it's you know, probably not a far stretch for me. I think it would be Haley Kyoko. <laughs> wow. Because she's just so funny and at the same time, like, relatable. And she just, like, doesn't give a fuck. So I feel yeah. like having that on my wrist would help me really remember, hey, things are shitty. That's fine. Do whatever you want. Like, that's yeah. why I really think I would have Haley Kyoko. Because, you know, you always have to, like, rep your gayness in some way. <laughs> but right. also, like, she just doesn't give a fuck. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Who would you have? Oh, boy, now I've put you on the spot and I've got myself on the spot with it. Uh -huh. Um I want somebody that's like clever, that's up for a good time. <laughs> this isn't dating, Connie. This is just a person that is gonna help you get through life. That um I respect their experience, so I know their answers are gonna be good. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Let's see. Um I might say Carrie Fisher. That's actually a really good one. Yeah. Again, she doesn't give a fuck. She doesn't give a fuck. She's been a hologram before. Uh-huh. So she she knows the moves. Yeah. Her postcards from the edge was like a really big thing for me around mm -hmm. college time. And um, plus I just loved her outlook. She doesn't give a fuck. I mean, I read something the other day where she, her brother found a letter and I think he found it like on maybe the anniversary date of her death mm -hmm. that she had written like as to him for when she after she had passed it starts off with like well i'm dead you know <laughs> and you know? like yeah this goes into all of this stuff and and i'm not i don't have it memorized or anything but people could probably look that up online but it was a really carrie fisher fucking thing to do you know so yeah i think that i would be you know i think i would have a pretty good little partner for the rest of the path if my if my spirit guide animal hologram that i could just pop out of my wrist was carrie fisher i think that'd be pretty good. i think that we all as a society should have one that was set for us though and it should just be nick offerman <laughs> like he should just pop out and just be like you're a dumbass yeah like, as ron swanson <laughs> or just nick offerman just nick offerman because like he is ron swanson at the same time like there's not a character there true, true. so i just feel like he would be a great guide for all of the world <laughs> if that happened and they just picked him for us i would probably get like punked or something i would get dwight schrute some <laughs> shit like that. That would be funny. <laughs> okay, so obviously since we haven't talked about any movies, there weren't any really movies that I felt super attached to, maybe beyond Booksmart. I'm going to be honest to you, I haven't seen it. There's no excuse now, it's on Hulu. Is it on Hulu? Yes. I have I haven't been on Hulu in a, like a month though. So A lot of good movies on Hulu okay. popping up, things that not on any other kind of streaming or whatever uh the uh Vita in Virginia. Yeah, I about. wanted to watch that. Yeah. It's on Hulu. Um, okay. So there's a lot of weird things popping up on there. Book Smart, uh, directed by Olivia Wilde, starring uh, Beanie Feldstein and Feldstein, yep. Caitlin Dever. I had to describe it to someone the other day, and I said it's like the typical movie made about raunchy teen movie where it's usually two guy friends, but mm -hmm. it's directed by a woman, it's got queer characters, and it's two smart, clever, funny girls. I saw somebody say that it was, like, super bad, but if it had women. Pretty much. Yeah. That's okay. a good 
that's pretty good. Uh, I did <laughs> see that Obama put it on his list of favorite movies. Yeah, of the I year. did see that. <laughs> yeah, so I saw that the cast and, and creators were freaking out about that. So Booksmart's one that I would, I would own Booksmart, and I guess that's maybe one of my new criteria with talking about going back to analog. It's something that if I saw a good deal on it, I'll be like, I want to have that movie for posterity. I want to have that when my great niece is. Th- 13 or 14 and i'm like hey you need to see this movie you know that kind of thing so that's what is there a movie you want to talk about well i don't okay so queer movies the only one that i found like notable was booksmart and i haven't seen it but i will say as far as you know just regular movies there were quite a few that came out that i was really into one came out recently called uh the good liar and it is uh sir ian mckellen and helen mirren Oh, that's very distinguished. It it was, and it's kind of about people conning each other, and okay. but it it the trailers don't do it justice. Like if you looked up a trailer, you would think, oh, these are just old people, and one's trying to get money out of the other. It was mm-hmm. the biggest mind fuck I've ever seen. Like it it was beautiful. It had history to it. It was completely twisted back and forth. You didn't know which side you were rooting for the whole time. Now, is this set in current modern day time? Yes. Okay. All right. And it's set in London. Oh, that's even better. And it and there there's it's set in London and it's also about Germany and stuff. So you know, like it's about the past, mm-hmm. but it is set current times. And the whole time you are not sure what you really think is going to happen and or who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, or if there even is a good or a bad. So that was, it was a very, very good film that I is, think that... Do is what? that streaming somewhere? Um, I don't know if it's streaming yet. I saw it about uh, two months ago now. I saw it with my grandma, because she really it, wanted to see it. It came to your theater? Yeah. It doesn't seem like, because I didn't hear anything about it, so it didn't seem like it was a big movie or anything. Exactly. But, hmm, I didn't odd. hear anything about it either. She's the one that knew about it, and she said, we should go see this. And I was like, okay, so we did, and it was so good, and I haven't heard anybody really talking about it, and I think it's a movie more people should watch. It also deals with, like, rape culture and, like, you know, genocide and racism and all that. It deals with super deep messages, yeah, I know, but on a very (laughs) surface level that also shows you both sides of everything. So you got any other non-queer? Um, Hustler. Oh, Hales Bales. I forgot about Hustlers. That's yeah. that's why I wrote down my kind of list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I have way more on my TV list, but yeah. Hustlers. Okay, yeah. I We went to the theater to see that. I told Stacey, I was like, we, we are not, we're not fussing around with this. We're going. <laughs> because I have a completely unapologetic love for Jennifer Lopez. I think we all do. Yes. I don't know of a, <laughs> I, and I don't want to just be talking like, I mean, why would we just talk looks first here? <laughs> I mean, but I don't know of a better example of just a human being, like in just lady human. form, <laughs> in, in 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 like lady form, than Jennifer <laughs> Lopez. I mean, come on now. That and she's aged so gracefully. It's like she hasn't. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she may or may have had things done that. I don't know about, but I can't tell she did if she did. And so that's that's another thing is like she was smart enough to get somebody that didn't fuck her shit up. Uh-huh. My favorite part is that she re-wears the outfits from when she was younger and looks better in them now than she did back then. The SNL episode. Yes, I watched that. Me and my grandma watched it together. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> when she came out in that that suit, I was yep. like, she she knows her audience. She's, uh-huh. she's bringing it. And then you rip that off into the old uh, green yep. uh, florally looking uh, red carpet outfit that the deep V. Her, yep. Yeah, the deep V. Uh, that almost leads to the, the V uh-huh. for sure. Exactly, deep V. <laughs> and I did comment to Stacy when we were watching. I said she looks better in that now than she did before. Mm-hmm. It's it's ridiculous. So hustlers, hustlers. I am, I love any movie that has any content related to strippers or a strip club. Okay, it's one of my genres. Okay, I love the stripper with the heart of gold. That whole the hooker with the heart of gold. All of those little like they, like. There was a movie with um, Nicolas Cage, Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, okay. With, with Elizabeth Shue mm-hmm. in it. It's a sleeper movie for me. If it comes, like, you would think a movie about a man drinking himself to death in Las Vegas and being a hateful, horrible prick of a guy <laughs> would not be something that you would be like, okay, if I walk by and it's on the cable, I'm sitting down. Yep. But Elizabeth Shue in that movie. It's just, there's yep. something, and I maybe it's somewhere deep, weird down in me, but I love that, like, vulnerable something bad happened to someone they have to like forge their own way in the world however they have to mm-hmm. do it but they still remain a good person that kind of thing so that's that's a, one of my genres that i got a lot of weird genres i mean i totally that. understand that did you ever see uh welcome to riley's Kristen stewart movie absolutely and she works as an exotic dancer that movie gets to me that's one of the movies when people are like they think twilight only Kristen Stewart and I'm like no 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 you got to see her other movies and I own all of them (laughs) of course look I was a Twilight kid you know that already yeah so of course anyone that was in the Twilight movies I bought every other movie that they were in so I could see them outside of Twilight Mm -hmm. and so I own every Kristen Stewart movie except for now Charlie's Angels in existence did you go see Charlie's Angels no I was gone it's got a few like clunky, weird, like the script could have been punched up a little bit, I think, or run through a few more passes. Yeah. Um, but we highly enjoyed it. It got trashed with the critics, trashed in mm-hmm. box office dollars. And I think it's just because it's made, written, created, or written, directed, produced by a woman, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Banks who is killing it, knocking it out of the park these days. Yeah, she the is. The all-female cast, and you have only one kind of really known member of the three angels. Mm-hmm. And they didn't go with the... I mean, it kind of keeps... It definitely keeps to the Charlie's Angels storyline, but it takes it and reinvents it a little bit and modernizes mm. it and brings it up from what the other movie incarnations with Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz did. They stuck more to the cheesy formula, I think, of yes. the TV show. And this takes it into, this is more of an action-adventure, while still being fun, a more serious action-adventure okay. movie. See, I've, that's kind of what I had heard. There's yeah. also a bunch of, like, uh, they hired a bunch of YouTube creators to be in the movie in yeah. different parts. And that's why I want to see it, because, mm-hmm. you know, I am all YouTube all the time. Yes, and I know I a lot of the people that were in it. Like, mm-hmm. as extras. Right. And then some that didn't even realize they got the email, so they didn't attend to it. There's a oh. couple that I love, like uh, Rose and Rosie. I talked about them before. What, they, they were, were going to get Rose and Rosie? Yes. This? Oh, they missed out. They didn't realize until too late, like the day before, that they'd even gotten the email. So they didn't get to go, and they were crushed because of Kristen Stewart being in this movie, and they didn't get to meet her. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They would have been... 
I would have loved to have seen their episode about them taping that. There's actually an episode about them not being in it and how they should have been in it because they were so upset by what they did. <laughs> so Charlie's Angels was good. Um, I don't know that it's one that I'll buy and own, but it. I don't think it deserved the treatment that it got. And it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those things I pe- think people are going to discover on video and on when it comes on cable. I mean, they're going to discover yes. and be like, oh, yeah. Um, but back to Hustlers, I loved Hustlers. I thought Jennifer Lopez, mm-hmm. she's made some questionable movies. Don't get me wrong. She's yeah. made some movies, some, <laughs> a lot of romantic comedies. But there's there are those people who they just, you just like them. And mm-hmm. she's one of the people that I just like her. I'm glad that she got to get back into like a little bit of a serious role. She was so good in this. Uh, the, everyone else was great, too. Mm-hmm. And the story was good. It was an interesting story, like it was based on a true story mm-hmm. where if people don't know it's it's kind of where some strippers decide to turn the tables on the uh wall street like young asshole guys that come into their strip club mm-hmm. and you know yes they're doing crimes or whatever but you kind of almost see their justification for it from from the from you know the, the business that they're in and what they're doing and i'm not saying what they did was right but they were out there hustling which you know the title it makes sense hustlers. yeah they uh, so it ends up being um, it reminded me and I don't even know who directed this I should probably look into that but do you know uh, Hustlers yeah I can see the face I can't even nope no okay well <laughs> it reminds me of like a Steven Soderbergh movie yes um which takes you back to you know like Out of Sight with Jennifer Lopez and I just thought it was again talking about there not being a lot of good movies like whenever there's a movie that reminds me of when movies were good like the 80s <laughs> early 90s i i noticed it like argo a few years ago was one of those movies yes. i was like this is a real fucking movie it has a script it has characters that we care about it's paced well it's not jump cutting us through a bunch of scenes to where we're just clicking through a story so fast um it, it's a little st- and this is a big leap and uh, people are going to be like, oh, God, it was nothing like that. It's a little like a Scorsese uh, crime type movie. I got the name of the director. Okay. Lorene Starferia. You got a list of anything else she's directed? I can that's... look it up. But right mm-hmm. now, her biggest thing she's known for is Hustlers. Okay. Like, that's that's like her big claim to fame is Hustlers. Well, props, Lorene, because you made a really good movie that I think a lot of people just thought was going to be some fluff uh, thing maybe like strip tease with Demi Moore or something like that, which Probably. has its mer- has its own merits, but it's not on the level of this movie. <laughs> We've got Big Helium Dog and A Million Miles. She's only directed like low budget things. Okay, I wonder. So. I, I mean, I'm assuming, I think that Lopez produced this, so I wonder if that's like a like a person she just found and liked something. And then... Oh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. That okay. is that is her other one that she worked on closely with some of the writers. So okay, cool. Well, it's it gets my uh, it gets my seal of approval. I'm so glad you brought it up. If I had not talked about that, I would be upset. Uh, and Jennifer Lopez got a Golden Globe nomination, so as she should have. Like it was very good. Yeah, and I believe, unless Oscar like this is not looking, not want to give it to her Oscar voters, Oscar Academy you know members that get the the screeners and get to vote. I think she'll get. You know, they put her in Best Supporting, I believe, in the Goldens, and mm-hmm. I don't know that you know they're they're thinking Constance. Woo, is that her name? Yes, that is her name. They're calling her the lead in it, but it's almost like a co-lead, or to me, Jennifer Lopez was the lead of of this. Just because her screen time was cut differently, um, maybe that's why they 
saying There's supporting. a certain clarification that they need to make with screen time. That's usually what it is. I mean, it, it usually they count up minutes and or the how, how prominently they're featured in each shot. That's how they come up with the total to figure out who's supporting and who's lead for each movie. Well, I'm hoping she's going to get an Oscar nomination for it, if nothing else, because I want to see what she's going to wear to these things. That is accurate. <laughs> so, Hustlers, high on my list. Um, I'm And since you remembered to bring it up, I definitely know what's high on your list. <laughs> it is. It's a very that's good a, movie. <laughs> that's, and, and, you know, we could almost say there's gay stuff in it. Yeah. I mean, it's that relationship between Jennifer Lopez's character, Constance Wu's character, is borderline. It's very sapphic. We'll put yes. it that way. It's very yes. intimately sapphic. Yes. The scenes where, because a lot of the scenes when they're in the private like champagne rooms or the dance rooms mm-hmm. are girl on girl scenes mm-hmm. being played out for the men and i mean those scenes are a gift to us <laughs> yes they said we see what you want here we'll give it to you yeah. just a little bit i think a lot I, as i was You're watching right. the theater just I, to stacy i was like this is the gayest non-gay shit i've seen in a theater in a long time well, that's something else we could talk about that's some pretty gay to a lot of people, but not actually gay shit, is Captain Marvel. That came out this year. That seems like it came out like three years ago, but I know, but it came out this year. I went and looked it up. Yeah. Because I wanted to be sure. Mm-hmm. It came out April of this past year. Wow. So, it's been, out of, it's been a while, but yeah. it was this year. And I will say that it's not exclusively queer. But there is something about Carol Danvers that yes. just, it clicks. Yes, it does. <laughs> she checks off the boxes. Uh-huh. Yeah. 100%. And I will say, I don't, I'm not a huge superhero, like, movie, TV show person. I'm not. Like, I've recently been trying to watch Batwoman, and I, I've tried to watch Supergirl, tried to watch some Arrow. I, I'm just not into superheroes. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel had me sitting, paying attention. The mm-hmm. entire movie, all the way through. Well, she commands your attention, that's for sure. Yes! I think it's also the cat that wasn't a cat. Like, I was just super interested in Goose. But, like, that was a very, very well-done movie. And mm-hmm. it fit perfectly into that whole Marvel Universe thing. Yeah, for me, it it's um it's up there with the Iron Mans of that Marvel, of that mm-hmm. MCU. Because Robert Downey Jr. is just such a person like you want to watch everything he does on screen yes like, he's a I, want be, I want robert down jr to come over for dinner you know like yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like he would i feel like he would like us i feel like he would hang out you know and we get along we'd be buds and we'd be texting mm-hmm. each other later um <laughs> and it's that way for captain marvel i mean mm-hmm. it's it's like I don't know. It was just really, really good. I'm glad you brought that up, yes. too, because I, to me, that seemed like it was last year. It really did. See, I agree. And I that's why I looked it up, because I remember I remembered that that was the last movie that I'd seen before, you know, my whole life kind of switched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that I loved it so much. But I was like, that had to have come out 2019. So I did look it up. It is April. So it was this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. It's just so much has changed since then. Movies as the, like as a whole have kind of changed and mm-hmm. kind of fallen downhill as the years gone on which is why we liked the tv shows better okay let's switch over to tv shows because mm-hmm. we got so many and we're already at 38 minutes oh boy look it's a long year <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
yeah, I hope we can cram these. I don't want to give short service to anything that I really liked, but I'm going to let you um, jump in first on the on television. Oh, on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first one we should start with is something that people probably forgot was this year. Russian Doll. I did forget it was this year, and when I was thinking back on stuff, a couple of times I had to like, it, it creeped in at the end. I'm like, mm-hmm. Russian Doll, of course. Why am I forgetting mm-hmm. that? Because I, I raved about it when it was out. We all did. Um, yes. It took me by such surprise that of what it was. I didn't know mm-hmm. what to expect. I just knew a Genji Cohen show uh, involved and then Natasha Leone. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'm in with this. Exactly. And I'm going to watch it, not knowing anything about it. You could tell anything really from, from the, the little bit of promo that it had. And I was just like taken with the first episode. Yeah, it draws you in. I sat and I watched the whole thing just straight through. And mm-hmm. then I watched it a second time. Straight mm-hmm. through. Because mm-hmm. I knew there was so much I had missed in mm-hmm. that first watch through. That's the thing with Jinji Cohen like shows. There are so many Easter eggs. There are mm-hmm. so many things that if you don't really watch, you don't catch. And yeah. Russian Doll was serious and like hard-hitting, but it was also very funny and done really well. If you were to travel back to like the 70s, which was a heyday of like the kind of self-deprecating, smart, clever, quick comedian. Mm-hmm. You could throw Natasha Leone in with the best of those people. 100%. Yes. And she would fit right in. I, there's just something about her that's so watchable, likable. Um, she's like a Gilda Radner, uh, almost, type of character. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I forget that she's a person because she's yes. she's Natasha Leone, which seems like a like it's a character, but then I, I know that she's probably even far better in real life than mm-hmm. the, these characters that she plays because it's just, just like transcendent or something like part of her as, as comes out in each one of these these characters but I, I love the show we we talked extensively about it I think on a previous episode I think we, we into, did we went into all of the different stuff with the setting the lighting mm-hmm. the um, the way it was shot the music and all of those cues and things so I don't want to rehash over that but because we have so much more to talk about, but we do have an old episode that we mentioned Russian Doll in, and we we talked quite a bit about it. But it's it's one that I would I recommended it to a lot of people, and a lot of mm-hmm. people were like, "Oh, it was just so manic. I don't I couldn't get in." I was like, "Manic? I was entranced with it. I, I got a it calmed me almost to watch it." Yep. You know, I see where where they say that, but I just think it was a good solid show. Like that's yeah. that's what we really needed out of 2019 is we needed some good solid shows. They weren't too long, weren't too overdone. Just, mm-hmm. y- it's a good sit down, watch it, and you can just enjoy it. And I'm going to swing in then with one that I know we both loved, and it's the opposite of just a short uh-huh. get down, get into it, um, HBO's Euphoria. Yeah. <laughs> that one punches you every episode multiple times. Yes. And it is one where there is, there are, there are queer characters, like friends and acquaintances and things in Russian Doll, but this one definitely sits in the, in the queer zone, mm-hmm. uh, in Euphoria. Um, we've got a trans character, we have a character who's, the other lead character, uh, Zendaya, is it Zendaya or Zendaya? Zendaya. Zendaya, mm-hmm. playing Rue. We never get an explicit definition of how she would identify, but I'll probably say pansexual or bisexual or I agree not, with that. not labeled at all. I would just say queer, like honestly, yeah. because that seems like the type of person Rue is. Right. Here's one thing I love about HBO is it gives you two types of shows that I, I generally each year have one from them. And another one that I'm going to bring up is a 30 minute show, Mrs. Fletcher. 
But Euphoria, they'll come up with one hour-long show where I don't know what to expect of it. You can't really tell from the trailers what it's going to be. And then it's one of those shows that everything clicks in it for me. The story, the way it's um, portrayed, the lighting, the music, the direction. The choreography. Like, the blocking of it. Also having a character that in there that isn't even one of the main people but really draws me in which her drug deal Rue's drug dealer I love him and I looked up because he felt really familiar to me I was like man I I love this guy and he's so good and I know I've seen him in something else and then I looked up and this was his first role yeah it's just there's something about Fezco's like whole character that really reads because we've seen it in many other shows there's always like the good guy drug like there is that one good guy drug dealer that like he really does care about these people, and he's not doing it to, you know, stick it to people. Mm-hmm. Like, he's it's, he's really a good guy. It's a business, and he's got to live, and mm-hmm. that's what he's got to do, but there's certain people that he knows he doesn't want to affect. Yeah. And his friend, Rue, is one of those people. Yeah. And there's the scene where Rue comes to him for... Uh, she's in, If you haven't watched the show, I'm not giving anything away, but she has been in rehab and come back out. And, uh, and this is a teenager. You know, This is a teenage show. It's set mm-hmm. in high school. It's like the complete polar opposite of something like a, um, a Riverdale, which is set in <laughs> a yeah. whole other kind of high school. <laughs> it's satirical, and, and like Euphoria is not. Euphoria right. deals with the hard issues. Yeah, it's also not like a gossip girl or one of those kind Mm-mm. of things. Like, it's not set amongst the super rich. It's not the super poor. It's the kids that we all went to school with. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the aspects in there of everybody. There's the, the jocks. There's the stoner kids. There's the single parent kids. There's the kids that are from the regular standard average middle income. Mom and dad are okay, but maybe the kids are a little left to center. We got all those kids in here. But they do a really good job with this show of creating a world. I felt like every week like I was in the school with these kids, but not just like sitting on my couch watching these kids. You know, like I felt like I was so so invested in the characters mm-hmm. and they employ the method of narration. So each yes. episode it starts with a one of the characters and you get their backstory. You mm-hmm. get it from their point of view, but we watch, you know, them as a kid and, and growing up and you find out aspects and details that lead you to how they're in the cer- certain circumstances that they're in now. And I love that every week. I love getting those little bits. They're almost like little short stories, little poetry. It's so well written. Yeah. And so I look forward to that. Now, I'm not going to lie. The first episode is really rough. It's really hard for a lot of triggering mm-hmm. things. One of my my best TV buddy male friends, Mark, that I do the TV, you know, standard TV podcast with, I was like, Mark, I texted him when the show went off. I was like, Euphoria, put it on your list, watch it, so we can talk about it. He <laughs> he came back to me later and he was like, What the fuck did you send me? You know, after watching yeah. the first one, he was like, uh, because there's some there's some rape that happens mm-hmm. in it. There's some questionable sexual situations with underage people and older people. But you know what? That's just life. It's just reality. It's harsh. And I totally understand that a lot of people will be triggered not be able to go on. So I want to put a trigger warning on that, you know. It's it's harsh and it's it's very real because small town USA, that happens a lot. Yeah. It is something that is very real. I think that's why the show does so well is 
maybe not every high school sees uh, this abundance of drug use or, um, you know, like uh, sexual situations. Like people do a lot of stuff like as a high schooler that you would never imagine that they did. But yeah. this show kind of keeps pushing it and pushing it and showing us everything to the point where people were asking, are high schoolers actually doing this stuff? And the truth is, some are. Oh, yeah. I saw a lot of my friends on Facebook who are my age and have younger kids than I do. You know, kids mm-hmm. are still teens or not quite teens who were like, oh, shit. What the yeah. fuck? I'm scared for you. And know, I was like, hey, I went to school with you. You remember what we did? Uh-huh. What's happened to you? Did you do that like weird thing that you know young people forget by the time that they have a kid how they were as a kid? Because mm-hmm. that's exactly what was happening. I was like, this went on. It's just, it's a scarier time now because technology brought in and phones. It's and easier to do things and to not be found out to do them, or right. to be found out to do them. That yes. it's a catch twenty two. It's mm-hmm. it's a very scary time currently. To be a teenager, it is. Mm-hmm. Because they have more access to more things than we've ever had in our past, but also they don't have the means to do most of the things. Like, they don't have... Like, there's there's this gap of, like, we could do whatever we wanted, mm-hmm. but they don't have the responsibility to be able to do all the things they want to do. Right. Like, there's they have more access to all kinds of trouble to get into and mm-hmm. different experiences and things, but they're still the same mentally uh mental capabilities and emotional (laughs) capabilities that we had when we didn't have these things exactly like we haven't advanced in our way to handle this stuff Mm -hmm. and then more is being dropped in and that's really i guess kind of the root of this show but i loved euphoria i always talk to people about it and when they ask me i'm like man euphoria and most people didn't watch it and i don't know if that's a symptom of that there's just so much out there again i think we hit a lull earlier in the year and last year where it seemed like tv kind of fell off a little bit yeah Uh, there weren't so many things you know all the time but now that we don't have particularly cut off seasons we have shows running all year long there's no breaks you don't get a break and that happened to us here um usually when the holidays come around we'll we'll be like binge a few things or whatever but we had a list of things that we had behind on or i really missed and and out because like last year during the holidays, we watched Sabrina first season and we loved it. Yeah. And then the second one came out and we were, it was in the middle of some other things and we watched one episode and didn't go back. Mm-hmm. And I had it on my list. I was like, Stacy, we really got to go finish this Sabrina because I loved this show. I don't know why we stopped other than that it was too much stuff. And then we fell into that and, and binged it in a day and a half. And, and I remembered that I loved it. Another show that creates a world. It's the fact that we're able to com- like consume so much so fast. It, it like that's why we forget that we've watched it and or like it's not added to the lists and stuff like i last year last christmas you remember me talking about the show you yeah i loved it well mm-hmm. another season just dropped a couple days ago i watched the whole thing overnight <laughs> i loved it but also i watched it in a night it was a full year to get back to this we did that with the crown and marvelous miss Maisel and so many things yeah that were really important to us but then some there's so many shows that are really important but like you, we liked the first season of you and we wanted to watch the second. Mm-hmm. But like we have to live a life too. Like we have to exactly leave the house and do work and do other That's things. the whole thing. Like I was supposed to be going to bed and I was like, oh, you's out. So I'll watch a couple yeah. episodes. So I just finished it because I knew I didn't know if I'd have any more time to do it later on. Yeah. And there is queer stuff in this second season, FYI. Okay. All right. So 
you will be in for that. <laughs> I, I will watch it. We will feel horrible. We felt horrible about ourselves while we were watching it and enjoying it the first season. I was like, we shouldn't be liking this. Honestly, I told Tiffany the other day, I was like, I've never felt so bad for a, like a bad guy. Like I've never yeah. liked the bad guy sociopath killer <laughs> in any show this much. Yeah. Because I honestly just feel for the guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we'll get into that when we're we're finishing up a few other things. But yeah, you was was one, and, and you know it just came back, so that technically counted as twenty nineteen. But but know, it was a blip. Like that's yeah. the thing. There are so many shows that we've watched that mm-hmm. were just a blip because of how fast we had to consume it. Also, a lot of really good stuff got dropped in December or late November, yep. and that's when everybody's scrambling around with holidays and, and and crazy stuff going on that got missed. And one of them that I wanted to bring up just really quickly because I don't know if you've watched it is work in progress on i've Showtime. watched a little bit okay i've watched two episodes it came in at the end of i think around the thanksgiving or first week of december i'm not really sure it, that show has 100 percent on rotten tomatoes which you know how hard that wow. is yeah and especially for a radical queer feminist show like this yeah on showtime it's a 30 minute show and I've never seen a show like it. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say too much more about it. Uh, I want people, like, I know that you, I'd like for you to finish it, but I want yes. other people to go check it out. Work in progress on Showtime, Sunday nights. It comes on right after the L Word Generation That's what I was going to say. You just leave the TV on for an extra 30 minutes after, you're fine. It premiered the same night. It was also December 8th. Yeah. So okay. they were right there together. So. Okay, what's your next, uh, like, if you could, because we're getting short on time. but if Yeah, you we could, are. If you could give somebody your next thing that you TV wise where you were like you loved it so much and it's one of the most memorable things for you. The Black Mirror miniseries. This was the first season they dropped Black Mirrors like like another season, but it was mm-hmm. only four episodes and each episode was an hour and a half long. The stories that were told in that miniseries, not enough people watched this miniseries that came out, but the stories that were told, the messages that were told were probably the best ones they've done in a very long time. I did not see any of those, and I'll tell you my reasoning that I did not see any of them mm-hmm. is that with Black Mirror and with the anthology series where you aren't carrying over from show to mm-hmm. show a, a, a through storyline, I tend to not get pulled back in episode after episode. I get I'll that. be like, well, if I got an hour here, I'll put that one in. And I just never went back to Black Mirror, although I loved the first season and especially San Junipero, we know that. But yep. also several of the other episodes that were in no way queer topic at all, I loved. But anthology series are hard for me to binge. So sometimes they fall away. I didn't mean to binge it. Like, that was the thing. I just kind of, <laughs> I got on Netflix. And, you know, forever ago that the Bandersnatch, like, special came out. And mm-hmm. I at first I watched that and I was like, this is weird. I'm not into it. And I watched mm-hmm. it. It was fine. But then this mini series came out. And it was while I was in London, and I had, you know, a lot of spare time where I couldn't go anywhere, mm-hmm. and it just came out, and I was like, I'll just watch it. But it was like watching many movies that mm-hmm. all lived in this weird world. It, was the Miley Cyrus episode part of that? Yes. Okay, I did And I that. didn't expect to like it, and I loved it. Yeah, it was good. It was but good. the first episode of that season deals with queerness, mm-hmm. and deals with best friends, mm-hmm. and... They're both straight males, but they have this kind of attraction to each other in a virtual reality video game. That's a twist. And it starts to mess with the one guy's real life marriage and life. And like they have to figure out, is this a real thing between us or is it just in this other world? 
Got it. That's, it was, that's interesting. It was really cool. And it was like an hour and a half long. And you got a full story that you got an ending to by the end. I think that's why I do like Black Mirror episodes. Especially this new miniseries that came out. Because it really goes in. And then it's like, oh, I watched a movie. So you can put mm-hmm. it down for a minute. And then you can go back when you want to watch the next movie. And that's why I like the limited series as well. Yes. Like, I feel like Big Little Lies was a movie that was more fleshed out because it got mm-hmm. the six episodes or however many it got. I'm finding that six and seven episodes is a good sweet spot for me with it things. Is. That it's enough and it it's not too little. It's enough. I don't feel like I'm devoting too much time to it. And I'm getting a little bit better told story. All right. You got any other ones you want to go before I get into... Uh, an odd little show that I want to talk about? Uh, go God. I was going to just say Watchmen because you had me watch Watchmen. Watchmen? Because it was beautiful. I'm so glad that, that you liked it when I recommended it to I you. I binged it in a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think anybody, if they had a day and they were homesick or, you know, whatever, could squeeze some more time out of this holiday, Watchmen is... I have a hard time picking a favorite show this year. Because Me we, too. Because they're, they're three to four where I was like, these are things that I just fell in love with and I liked so many things about them. Watchmen would be really, really high on my list. It's another HBO show. HBO's, HBO's They've killing been killing it. it. Yeah. yeah. So I never read the comics, never read the graphic novel. I saw the movie. I didn't care for it other than visually it was interesting, but it kind of was all over the place and... and you know, I'm sure people that knew the story were maybe more interested in it. I guess that's the movie's kind of a love-hate thing for people, though, isn't it? Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, like, visually, cool. It was a cool concept. Looked yeah. kind of like a Sin City, but with yeah. yellow and black instead of red and black. Mm. But honestly, it was terrible. <laughs> it was not a good movie. Mm-hmm. Not a good, like, not a good way to let people into the Watchmen world. This show, though, is the right way to do it. Okay. Not knowing anything, of, and, and this has been my recommendation to people, they're like, well, I didn't read the stories or I didn't watch the movie. You don't need to Mm-mm. with this. You will just come in and be in this world and in this tale, and I'm sure that the people who have read and know the story inside and out will probably have a lot of nitpicky things about it, mm-hmm. but if you're someone that didn't, and I think that's a lot of people that probably listen to us that maybe <laughs> weren't into that, uh, this is my second highest recommendation uh, amongst shows that don't really have anything... There's a little bit of queer content in this, but not mm-hmm. anything that would interest most of our <laughs> listeners, let's be honest. I mean, but if they want a really good, cool-looking show, yeah, yeah, then they've got it. If they want some powerful, badass women, then they've got it. They've certainly got it. And, you know, who would have thought that um, in this, you know, 2019, that one of the most interesting characters on a TV show like this would be played by the receptionist from Designing Women? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't know she was in the show. Yeah, at all. So little <laughs> things got dropped into this. And I know we're being really, like, not saying a lot about Watchmen, but you almost really can't say anything about it nope. if you want someone to watch it and not be spoiled on anything. You're going to get a show about, it's a lot about racism in mm-hmm. today's day. You're going to have a lot of, uh, not really superheroes, but more just super-powered people. Vigilantes. Vigilantes, yes. Mm-hmm. And a badass lead, Regina King, who is amazing in everything that she does. And I'm so happy to see her in something different. She's generally yes. in a lot of very... Now, this is deep and heavy material, but she's generally in a lot of, you know, more real-life 
grounded dramas. And mm-hmm. and this is a drama, but it's it's like nothing I really have ever seen. I, I binged it over the Thanksgiving break because I watched the first one with Stacy and, and thought she would be into it. We watched the first one and then got busy and didn't go back and I was waiting on her to come around and say, mm-hmm. Let's let's get back to watch me. She never did. So at Thanksgiving I was like, Hey, I really want to not wait till this is over. I want to watch the rest of it. She goes Oh, I probably should have told you that night that, yeah, I'm not that into that. <laughs> so you could have been watching it this whole time. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, no. This has been weeks and weeks and weeks. So I uh, I went in and then watched two episode two up through six that night and mm. was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I missed out on this this whole time. <laughs> and then could not fucking wait for the next episode and then had to wait again another week. So I got a dose of that waiting week to week that I didn't like. That where I was like, if I could have just binged this straight through, it would have been amazing. Which I did, and it was great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I highly recommend this show. I know you do too. It was one of the things that I was so glad that you liked it whenever I recommended it to you. And you came back and you were like immediately like starting to send me little texts about it. Like, and, yeah. and I was like, oh, just wait. Just wait till this <laughs> you know, Just wait until this episode. Blah, blah, blah. So that was a good one. <sighs> Another HBO thing that I, uh, again, I don't think. Uh, many people watched I don't think it made but one best of list that I looked at this year Mm -hmm. is HBO's Mrs. Fletcher never seen it didn't know about it 30 minute show uh, Sunday nights and which is such a great spot on Sunday nights on HBO I mean that's like that's like Thursday nights used to be on NBC and the must see TV that's become Sunday night HBO's for years and years and years Uh, stars Catherine Hahn okay you know Catherine Hahn from I know uh, her name she's uh, the thing most people now know her for is probably Bad Moms. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yes. And, but she's yes. in, I mean, she was uh, the rabbi in Transparent. Yeah. Cre- she's probably got like 100 credits or something, and they're all amazing, like everything that she's in. Mm-hmm. So I went there for to watch her, but it's a show about a woman who is divorced. She works in a senior citizen center, kind of just has this, you know, humdrum life. Uh, and then her son is leaving. She's, it starts the day that she's packing him up to send him to college. Okay. And so it's a, a movie about transition or a TV show about transitions. And you and I always seem to like those about transitions. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what does this woman do now with her life? She spent it being married to this man that she did not like. They did not get along. They got divorced. She has a contentious relationship, contentious relationship with him. And then she has this kind of jock spaced out, not really appreciative of his mother, like, guy you know high school guy okay but he, yeah. he's been her whole life and he's leaving going to college and she, it's like what is she gonna do with the rest of her time you know all the episodes are directed by women which i think that's cool when you, yeah when you watch it you'll 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 get that her performance is amazing even the son who we're like really not supposed to like at all we don't like him he goes to college and discovers that he's not the big man on campus anymore and meets a lot of diverse people meets some queer characters um oh. Yeah, there is a character, she has a co-worker that is one of my favorite new discoveries of the year on TV. She's played by, an, uh, I believe, an improv and comedian actress, Katie Kershaw. And I went okay. to the show for Catherine, I put this on Twitter, I was like, I went to the Mrs. Fletcher for Catherine Hahn, but found myself crushing out on Katie Kershaw, because she's just like, that free spirit, like, 
person that everybody kind of encounters in their life who's like up for whatever like has like really sage wisdom I love that yeah like the person that like when you're having like the crisis it's just like like she's the person that when you have the bad LSD trip she's the one that's like hey sit down and feel this soft little piece of material with me I love that yeah (laughs) so she was great in it I just can't recommend it enough each and I did watch it week to week and it wore me out so other people will now have the benefit of being able to binge that one it was just unexpected it's great music choice oh and jen richards also really on, yes she plays okay. a, uh, the one of the things that Catherine hahn does is go to like a uh, writing group okay like, you know okay. kind of find, trying to find things to fill her time wherever she goes to this group which then lets her encounter Hobbies. a lot of yeah, a lot of other people with issues so uh jen richards plays a out trans uh teacher on the show cool yeah so put okay. that on your list and I will. other other folks if you're you know into that 30 minute hbo gym that they put out one a year it's it's definitely one of them i've got another heavy hitter that i don't believe had any queer stuff in it at all except okay. that it had Merritt weaver who is one of my favorite actresses ever what are we talking about what show are we talking about unbelievable I've not seen it. I know nothing about oh. it. Oh, I should have told you earlier about this one. Since you haven't seen it, let's let's talk about Unbelievable after you've watched it. But okay. I'm putting it, it's in my top three of the year. If it was number one, and then Gentleman Jack crept back into my thinking about, would Gentleman Jack be my number one show? Would Watchmen be my number one show? Would Euphoria yeah. be in my number one show? I can never pick just one number one show. Right. Like, it's too hard. I've got others that, as I was looking back, and remembering this long year, I forgot about Vita on Stars was yep. another one that was amazing, very well done. Like I believe it also it's also a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It was one that I looked up uh, and That's saw awesome. that. Um, one day at a time. We forgot all about one day at a time this year. I still and... haven't seen any of it ever. Oh. I've told you this multiple times. It, it was when you told me I needed to watch things on Netflix. It was one day at a time and atypical. Yeah. I watched atypical one day at a time's next. And atypical. We forgot about the season of atypical. Oh, no. I have that written down. I was just waiting for you. <laughs> I thought you might have that one. <laughs> well, again, this is just pointing to that there's a wealth of television out there again. And it's way too many things, and we spent way too much time talking about so many other things on this episode. I think we should come back and talk more about other things. But atypical, we already did almost a whole episode on. So it's definitely on both of our lists. We should talk about the things that have come out recently, and Mm -hmm. like the things we haven't gotten to that are good. But we also had some pretty bad things this year, and I think we might want to touch on that. Okay, you got a bad one for me? Well, I, I have things written down. Okay. Somewhere. Well, in, in in the sense of not um like piling on to things, I don't want to do them on a whole episode. Let's just mention some things that we were not as pleased as we hoped we would be. I'll start. I'm going to start because, and it probably takes some beating on this because I think that on gay Twitter we're supposed to love this show. Everyone okay. seems to, except me, maybe. What show? Bat, Batwoman. Yeah, I was going to go there. That was <laughs> That was what I was just about to say. The cast... Not bad. Cast is no. okay. There's some like, high points on the cast. Yes. Show fell flat. Yes. It is like you opened up a Coke can 
expecting that lovely, like, delicious bubbly Coke, and you got just syrup. Yeah. That's what happened. Mm -hmm. And it makes me really sad because we've all waited so long for an actual queer superhero to happen. Well, and they keep saying that this Batwoman character is the first lesbian superhero lead Mm. on a television show. And, I mean, they... They, they don't put lead. They just say the first openly lesbian superhero. And I believe That's that true. Thunder from Black Lightning uh-huh. fills that actual slot. And they did start saying lesbian after people complained when they were saying queer and they forgot about um, Legends of Tomorrow mm-hmm. with Katie Lotts on there. So it's, you know, they really want it to be something groundbreaking. And it it's just not. isn't breaking any ground for me. Well, we've also got... Um... What is her name? Rachel Starston playing Alice. Yes. And the way that they've set it up, because I I knew a little bit about Batwoman in the past and about Batman, because I liked Batman, because it seems most queer women do like Batman at some point in their lives. Yeah. Don't know why, but Alice is played in this show more like the Joker in that is of the Batman world, and exactly. that's not how Alice is done in the comics and stuff. It's and I don't know a ton about oh what is she from Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn, I'm getting like crazy manic Harley yes. Quinn cheeky dialogue raging mm-hmm. trying to be punk from this Alice and I love Rachel Scarston. I love 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 her. I love we all do. Yes, and I think she's doing absolutely the most with what she has. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's what should have been in this show. I think that they're playing it too closely to the relationship that Batman and Joker have. Yeah. Except now they're playing the thing of, oh, they're actually related. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's supposed to have a deeper connection. And is she good? Is she bad? Doesn't really matter and play it like in the full mm-hmm. scheme of things because that's who they were picking as Batwoman's arch nemesis. And it's just the same din- dynamic as Joker and Batman. And that really upsets me. I would have almost liked to have seen, and this is a little bit of a stretch maybe, but I would almost like to have seen a dynamic between Batwoman and Alice as like a Buffy Faith dynamic. That's a good one, yeah. Where it's, they're kindred in a different way, and then they're two different energies all together, but there's like, I don't know, there's a charisma and a, uh, I don't know, it's just something missing between those two characterizations that I think if one wasn't so crazy and one wasn't trying to be so cool that they could have pulled something off differently. That's I think a trend we're seeing though this year with 2019. Things that are supposed to be big and great and groundbreaking Mm -hmm. fall flat. The biggest thing that launched this year that in my world was the Creation Club with Fallout 76. Now 76 came out in November. Creation Club started what Around this, March, this, May. This is Creation Club world. is paid to play the video game and got points that you pay for to get weapons to actually play the game you paid $100 for in the first place. Okay, so you're not, to get weapons, you're not doing the virtual payment. You're not playing you the actual game to get weapons. You can't get half the stuff in the game without buying an extra add-on of 25 to $50 worth of creation points. So the rich kids can win and the poor kids can kick rocks? 
Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, uh-huh. That, that mm-hmm. was how Bethesda said that they were going to fix the problem of the twenty nine or the 2018 November launch of Fallout 76. That was our big letdown for 2019 in the video game world, as they said they'll fix it, and they made it 20 times worse than we ever expected. So your literal real-world bank account is what can help you be more effective in the game and not mm-hmm. even how well you play the game or mm-hmm. your strategy or your study of the workings of the game. Exactly. That seems super fucking dumb. Yeah, it is super fucking dumb. That's what made it to the top of my list this year for like, in the world that I live in, the stuff that I do, yeah. you know, I, I love playing games. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play a game that I paid a base $100 for and then have to continue to give you money to even be able to play your game. That's just a bad game. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's hmm. just bad. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm glad my kid doesn't play that game <laughs> because he would probably be like, hey, you got a credit card? I can borrow for this. And I yeah, no, like, no, I immediately, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's not happening. I played the game for two hours. They spent three, four years in development for this game, right? Mm-hmm. I played it for two hours and I was like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so i mean that's that's but that's kind of what the world we're living in right now with this year is there's so many things that are being made and put out that took years to develop and they're supposed to be the next big best thing mm-hmm. and it just falls flat mm-hmm. and it's sad mm-hmm. because you want it to be better than you thought that it, and that's it how is. i felt about batwoman is I, yes. I i was like chances of this being good are 50 50 at yep. best and I wanted it to be good because I didn't want another example of, okay, they put this thing out here for the queers, which is what they were saying when they cast, mm-hmm. you know, cast it that way and, and put out the open casting calls and said, we're definitely, you know, want a queer female in real life to play this queer female character. Got everyone's hopes up that they were going to, and and I think they get the, that part of the show right. I don't have any complaints with too much. With I, the queers. I mean, I even appreciate the storyline of the fact that uh, Kate and her person that she was in love with, like that that person couldn't risk the rest of their future in their life to be yep. out with her. And so that's caused, you know, all of these issues in both of their lives. I, I That's a thing that happens to so many it's people. very real. And they got that right. Um, the, the poor relationship with her father. Um and they got that right. They got that definitely right. There's daddy issues all over this thing. <laughs> um, but then it's like, okay, do better at the show. Do better at what you're supposed to already be able to know how to do, which mm-hmm. is give us characters that we care about. Give us some non-repetitive dialogue. I feel like we've gone over and over and over the same feelings mm-hmm. <laughs> in this show. Um, you know, at some point, Alice has to be like, they thought I was dead. I, they they got to they had to move on. I would have done mm-hmm. the same thing, you know, like that stuff. So yeah, that was that was a letdown. You got any other movie or TV letdowns? Um, not really that I can think of right now. Mm-hmm. I'll say we should finish this on a nice note in talking about the finale of Orange Is the New Black. Just one last talk over that. That was this year. Yeah, it was. That was that. This was the end of. A literal movement that changed a lot of things mm-hmm. in the TV world and in real life. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was handled very well. It was handled very well. I I, I didn't want to watch that finale. I didn't want it to end. Me I didn't either. want this. You know, and the show's been up and down. We've been honest about that. We've covered mm-hmm. it extensively. 
Um, it was the beginning of the binging era. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's been traced back to that. It put Netflix on the map. Mm-hmm. That show did. Gave a lot of good TV coverage to social commentary that enough people don't pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Like, why do these women end up in prison? You know, and it's socioeconomic things. There are good and bad parts of that show, but I was very invested in all of those characters, even the ones I hated or that bugged mm-hmm. me, except maybe Madison. I, I'm not going to say that I was Nobody really in- was invested in Madison at all. Yeah. They, she uh, was, I think she was put in because we needed a character we didn't like or care about. Like, I yeah. genuinely think, because that was the thing with that show. It was constantly giving us reasons and ways to like every character in it. Mm-hmm. And, like, to know their story and see their side of it. And I think that that was a good thing. But they didn't have anybody that people genuinely hated. And that's a lot of shows that have that already. So they gave us that. They gave us Madison to give us that bone. Also because maybe they needed somebody that we disliked more than Piper. (laughs) I'm not a Piper hater. I don't fall into that club. I know almost all the rest of the world does. (laughs) But it speaks volumes that so many people hated that character. And she's one of the two main characters. Maybe, I mean, definitely the main character. But also one of the two storylines that her story runs through everyone else's story, basically. And people still watched and still followed and still watched all the seasons of it, even though there was a lead that most people did not like. It speaks volumes of how good the show was Mm -hmm. and how much talent was there outside of just, you know, that main storyline. And I had to pause the finale a few times. Oh, yeah. Because I was just like, I got up and walked walked away a couple times and like was dealing with my shit with it. Yeah. There were because, certain episodes that I just stopped and I was like, mm. Because it didn't follow the round the, the year, you know, two seasons a year kind of thing that a lot of, you know, shows have or shows that never ever seem to leave the air like Pretty Little Liars and stuff like that <laughs> where it's like, okay, we've got a, we got a, a winter premiere, we've got a spring premiere, a summer premiere, a fall premiere. And it's like. When is the show, you know, when do I get a break from this? This was once a year. We knew when June, maybe middle to third week of June was coming around, we were getting our show back. So seven years. That's a long time. I have a lot yeah. of relationships with people that I was really good friends with that didn't last seven years. Uh-huh. And it was it was something that you knew you could rely on. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it wasn't going to be a great season or the greatest thing ever, you could always find something within that season that really resonated with you and that you really enjoyed. I think that's what was important. Yeah. And I put the finale up there with like good finales. There were a few things that didn't get tied up or, or, you know, people didn't get the answers that they wanted, but it was much like uh, a finale where it's, you know, six feet under where we got all Mm -hmm. of the, like, that's the greatest finale ever of a show, but it sent us off. It, you know, it gave us a, it tied it up for us. Um, so speaking of finales, then I will come around to what I guess I'm going to have to say is my top, definitely my top queer show of the year, even though there mm-hmm. were a lot of good contenders. Ones I didn't even mention, like Dickinson. Um, I don't think you watched it yet. I haven't been able to. My phone won't let me. Well, when you when we figure out the technology on that for you, we'll come back. We'll just throw the it. phone out the window. It's fine. <laughs> we'll get a new one. <laughs> um, Gentleman Jack. I mean... <laughs> I knew that's where we were going. Yeah, I mean, Beck, if you said it, and here's the reason I'm going to put it up there and I'm going to tell you, is that of my 50 years of living, 
and all my years of watching television, this show, and I'm not saying that 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 I I am an Ann Lister, but I'm saying that it's the first time I have seen a full representation of how I feel living in the world. On that television. is, uh, yes, I completely agree with you on that. I it, I completely see that. Yes, and it's from both characters. It's like you know, there's there's the parts of of Anne Walker and Gentleman Jacks on HBO. I should give that little preface. Anyone, any one of you queer women that has not watched this show, we're gonna come get your toaster and your membership card back if you don't <laughs> <laughs> if you don't watch it uh. soon. Um, based on a real woman. Uh, Ann Lister, you can look up the Ann Lister Diaries, you can look up Gentleman Jack on HBO, and you can go figure it out because it's too much for me to explain. But both of the characters in that, I mean, it's really a show about otherness, mm-hmm. which I I feel like people nowadays are, are more into saying, yeah, I don't really fit in a slot. I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm not this, I'm, I'm not all this, I'm not all that. I'm I'm me. And this show is a person searching for someone to love and to be loved by that accepted her for who she was. Mm-hmm. For our main character, Ann Lister, that's true. It's also true for Ann Walker. This, we, 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 we talked about this on another epi- other episode where at this point in time of history, this was in the 1830s, there was no name for queer. There was no name for lesbian. There, was, there wasn't anything. It was just other words put onto it immoral not natural you know different not even other which you know other at least is like just put you in well they did use the word otherness sometimes to describe a female gay person right so this show it's just the first time i mean like they really and it took these brits to do this but they really gave us what we needed and wanted Mm -hmm. And had never, ever had before. And it's just a depiction of someone going through life, doing the best they can. And as Ann Lister says, every day I rise above it. How many of us does that apply to? You I have mean, to. Yeah. Honestly. It, it's it's yeah. how many how many like times have you gotten comments or, you know, a butch lesbian gets the looks that they get. Or a, a femme lesbian or queer person of any identity who isn't seen for what they are you know because based on like the opposite like like mm-hmm. a, a a butch person gets something put on them for the way they look and then a, a person that passes no one ever really knows mm-hmm. because it isn't something that they can see with their own eyes so i don't know it's um it's my favorite show of the year my favorite. I'm not saying it's the best. It's my favorite show of the year. Well, we're not here to tell you what the best are and what the worst are, really. Yeah. It's to say things that were successful and that we liked mm-hmm. and things that were unsuccessful or we didn't like. Mm-hmm. Like, just statistic-wise and how we feel-wise. And I agree that Gentleman Jack should definitely be up there. Like, it really should. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't just tell you one side of the story and it, it shows you... I think, like, feelings that we've all had growing up queer, like mm-hmm. the doubt, the I need to get through this, I just want someone to like me for me, it does that continually with not just Ann Lister, not just Ann Walker, but other, other characters too. Mm-hmm. Like, it really, it helps you to kind of see that 
oh, you're not the only one that's dealt with so many different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. And that finale of that <laughs> show. I mean, it's the first time that we've, we, we in the queer community get what everybody else gets all the time. Mm-hmm. Which is like an epic, you know, sweeping romantic mm-hmm. conclusion, I guess. Or, or conclusion that's also a beginning because we're going to get a season two of it. Uh, well, that's the thing. It could be left there. It yeah. could be. Oh, and yeah. we would be happy. Yeah. How often can you say that about a queer show? That at the fu- season finale, mm-hmm. you can say, it could be left there and I'd be happy. There are multiple shows that have even been canceled. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and you're like, there was so much that they could have done just mm-hmm. to close it off. But they did it all. But they didn't. But Gentleman Jack did. It did it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I know we missed a lot of stuff, and and but I think we we covered like a lot of the good stuff that um, we didn't get to the L word Generation Q, which is another thing that they need their own episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially we'll talk after, about it. Especially after watching the fourth episode, which you and I have both just Ooh, watched. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> to me, and I'm I'm not gonna say too much about it because we do want to talk about it, but. It's the one of the better episodes of either season of the show. You know, the That's old fair. the old show and the new yeah. one so far. Um I mean there are gonna people that there are gonna be people in the future who are gonna be looking back and going, Where were you at when Alice had her threesome? Yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole time I'm going, Oh no, oh no, oh god <laughs> Because you also care about these characters. <laughs> Well, let's come back then together soon for a quick follow-up. If we can get all of our technicality, uh, technical bullshit lined out. <laughs> we throw it all away, spend every penny we own, fix it. Yeah, yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to somehow get through these three versions of recording software that I have confused <laughs> on my computer. And the viewer or the mm. listeners don't know this, but if they were viewers, they would know that we have had multiple screens of our faces popping up on both of our computers both of this time. We just really need to see ourselves for who we are. <laughs> yeah, I just had this little version of myself over in the corner and you're you're big on my screen usually and then all of a sudden like the whole screen was my face a minute ago. <laughs> the recording no. dropped out two times. We've had to recall each other. Um it's just But look, we made it work. It's the end of the year. We're going to come back. New year. Start fresh. New year, new queer. New year, new queer. (laughs) New year, new queer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I do want to... My my wife, who is now a desk worker and has never been before in her life, is Mm -hmm. listening to podcasts like eight hours a day. And she was like, hey, honey. She goes, something I noticed to listen to these other podcasts that I listen that you and Beck don't do is you don't tell people where to find your your podcast at or or you know to su- ask people to subscribe or whatever i was like i know i was like, i know that and i know it every time we record and i just yep. get like carried away and we get into our conversations and i forget about it so <laughs> we do not have an instagram yet for this podcast but we're going to have one very soon because i know that instagram is where people are keeping up with more things and i can put uh, you know some clips and things on there so i'm going to have a, an instagram for it soon but you can find us on twitter at Gay Stuff Podcast. If you're looking for me on there, it's at Butch and Sissy. And Beck, you are? At Tiny Gay Cookie. Across everything. Across all platforms. Mm-hmm. At Tiny Gay Cookie. Because mm-hmm. you are a Tiny Gay Cookie. It makes sense when you think <laughs> about it. I'm short, I'm a diabetic, and I'm gay. 
you know. <laughs> so it's got all the things that I need in my life. You are you are other. Yeah. I am other. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I am other also. <laughs> oh no. All right, so if you if you like what we're rambling around and doing here, um please subscribe. Um that helps us out and you can get this podcast um on my website also, butchandsissy.co. That's butchandsissy.co. All of the episodes are there and you can start wherever you want or you could, you know, bounce around or do whatever. Or if you subscribe to us on um, Apple Podcasts, then you'll get everything and get notifications popped up for you and it'll be easy to find us. And we're going to be back with an L Word episode. We're going to try to talk about Unbelievable because I, I it's unbelievable to me that I didn't recommend that you watch this already. <laughs> yeah, I'm really going to find that. <laughs> It's Netflix, so it's right there for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I'm going to send you a picture in just a second on your little text device on that phone, and then you're <laughs> going to, and it's just one picture, and then you're going to be like, fuck, why didn't I watch this? Okay. Got it. <laughs> All right, folks. We're going to uh, sign off, and uh, we will talk to you later. I'll talk to you later, Beck. Bye. Bye.